Alright guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. This is episode 76 and today we are joined by the Aussie natural bodybuilder Evan Godby. Evan, thanks so much for joining the show today, mate. Hi, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Not, not a problem at all. Um, look, I've been a big fan of kind of your progress and your journey now for a fair while. Um, you have an extremely impressive physique and I think today's episode will be really good for, for those that are listening and also watching on the on the YouTube to take away some really good pointers when it comes to natural bodybuilding. But for those that aren't aware of who you are, do you want to just start the show off, mate, by giving us a bit of an intro about um, who you are and also your career in competitive bodybuilding so far? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've been uh, training for about 15 years started in 2002 when I was in high school. Um, I never really intended to compete in bodybuilding, but I decided to in 2009 um, with my first uh, couple of shows then, and that was just pretty casual. I didn't really prepare for those shows. It was just that a friend had um, told me that he was entering in a couple of weeks, and I was like, well, fairly lean because I was doing a lot of martial arts and stuff, so I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna do do one of these shows. Um, And then it just kind of went from there. I, within, I think, uh, about 18 months, I was starting to compete at the uh, World Championships with the WMBF. Um, WMBF is a federation that they, we have, like, an affiliate federation in Australia now, but back then it was one of, like, three natural bodybuilding federations back in 2009, so I kind of started with them and always stuck with them. Um, and since then, I've done, this is my second pro season now, so I did one in 2014 after turning pro at the World Championships back in 2011. And um, yeah, it's now my second pro season, so pretty pretty pumped. Been doing it for a while, but really enjoying it. Unreal, yeah. That's a good thing to take away for those that are watching and listening. Um, you know, when eventually after this, once you go and check the show notes and have a uh, have a look at Evan's physique, you'll you'll see how impressive it is. But he's been lifting for fifteen years. Did you say it was? Yeah, yeah, fifteen years. I guess it is. Two thousand two is when it started. So. Yeah, that's unreal. <laughs> And what age or what year was it did you start kind of taking your training and, um, I guess, nutrition seriously? Like, how long were you lifting weights before you then decided to start prepping for that show? Oh, right. I mean, um, I, I would say, you know what, I, I always, whilst I say that I, I never really intended to compete, I always felt like I was a bodybuilder. And I know some people would disagree with, with like, what the definition of a bodybuilder is. They say, oh, you have to compete to be a bodybuilder. Yeah. But I always followed bodybuilding and, and at least in terms of like the IFBB and stuff, um, running Hongs and stuff with the ground when I was kind of an intermediate yeah. bodybuilder myself. And I always, yeah, I always considered myself that way. Um, and so I, I feel like I probably took my training seriously from about 2003 uh, onwards. Um, 2002, I was just still in high school. I would train for about an hour once a week and I was suppose I used that time to just start learning exercises and stuff like that and start building a little bit of strength and muscle and stuff. But it, it wasn't until I started training like, you know, five days a week in uh, 2003 that I really started to develop my physique. Um, in terms of when I started taking my, uh, you know, like prep and stuff, it would have been in 2009. Um, and it was not that necessarily that I uh, followed, like we, we didn't really have a whole lot back then. I wasn't on the bodybuilding.com forums. I know a lot of other people kind of got started on there, but I would just basically 
kind of like ask other people at the gym and I had a couple of other friends that were getting into it too. So people would just give me advice at the gym or oh, you've got to eat this type of food and yep. probably common sense in terms of like what bodybuilder foods are um, and just started eating a little bit more of those. But I already had like a fairly decent like protein intake and yep. I was um, already gaining weight and progressing in the gym and that type of thing. So I suppose I was kind of incidentally doing a lot of the right things anyway. I just wasn't aware of what all the different facets were that I should be doing. Yeah, and were you, did, was your body type kind of a mesomorph or, or were you more of an ectomorph or what type of body type were you before you started really taking the nutrition seriously? Yeah, um, good question. I, I really, when I was a kid, I was always known as like the skinny guy. Like my mom used to say to me, Edmund, you're just skin and bones. Um, <laughs> when I was, like I was always... I felt like, and I was always, um, yeah, thought of by others. Um, so anybody that went to, to school with me would tell you, um, yeah, Evan was just really, really skinny. And that was all the way up through primary school and, and high school. So um, I would say if we're talking body types, I kind of started as an ectomorph. Yep. But because I kind of have been so consistent and, and stuff, I've and, and really done a lot of the right things for a long time, I've been able to build a lot of muscle. And most people these days would say, well, Evan's an ecto, uh, not ecto, but mesomorph. Yeah. So if body types exist, maybe either one of those or somewhere in between those. Um, but I would say naturally I was always an ectomorph, but maybe I just really wasn't eating enough and I've always been extremely active. Yeah. So maybe that kind of played a role in terms of um, me being very lean and skinny. Yeah, you bring up a, you bring up a good point. Like a lot of cl online clients that I uh, pick up, and in their initial questionnaire, when I ask kind of what they're doing training wise and nutrition wise, like if you were to look at them, you would say they are an ectomorph. When but when you find out their eating habits, well, mm -hmm. then you kind of just go, well, yeah, you're severely under eating, um, which is, which makes it obvious why your body type looks the way it does. But as soon as we get them to the point where they're eating, even at maintenance, all of a sudden they're stacking on some size and, and they're eating pretty well and all of a sudden maybe they're not an ectomorph. Yeah, and um, yeah, in, in terms of from my own perspective and history and stuff, um, I think that just my family in general kind of has, has always eaten fairly like healthy. So we didn't have, for example, you know, kids at school we would have maybe like a couple of treats in our lunch and stuff like that, but I know that like a lot of other kids, particularly ones that were more overweight, they have more high calorie, like, you know, chips every day at lunch. Yeah. We never had that. So I suppose like, yeah, just like a lot of those behavioral things uh, uh, together with the fact that I was always extremely active, doing a lot of different sports. I was always involved in some type of sport, if not multiple sports at the same time, and always like just a really hyperactive, I don't want to sound like I had ADD, I don't think I did, but <laughs> very physically active and just loved being active from a very yeah. young age. I think that was probably one of the biggest, just that expenditure, I mean, um, we're kind of like getting some research in terms of like how important NEAT is, and I think that I've just always had really high NEAT, mm. stay lean. Yeah, and for those that are listening or watching that don't know what NEAT is, it's basically the energy you're expending throughout the day, just doing day-to-day -day stuff, whether it be working, you know, walking, taking the stairs, whatever it may be, stuff that's non-kind of non-exercise related, I guess. Um, before I move on to this next question, um, you brought up a really good point there before about bodybuilding 
not necessarily having to mean you compete. And I think with today's day and age, with social media and stuff, you're seeing more and more of it where there's huge profiles or huge um, names in the fitness industry that have never competed before and have never even been to ridiculously low levels of body fat, but they've built up this kind of reputation as a bodybuilder. So those that are listening and watching with an interest in bodybuilding does not necessarily have to mean you step on stage. And, and even those that have competed before, a lot of people that I speak to that have competed, you know, it's just not for them. Whereas they absolutely love the gym, they love staying relatively lean, but after competing once or twice, they just have no interest in competing ever again. But if you were to chat to them or come across them, you you would definitely know them as a bodybuilder. Yeah, I, totally. And I think um, people who really do advocate, well, you have to have competed to consider yourself a bodybuilder, really that just comes from, I, I feel it just comes from a place of like ego, you know what I mean? Well, I've competed mm. and therefore I'm more special than, than other people. It gives me a special thing that I can call myself a bodybuilder. But really... There's doing a thing and then there's doing a thing competitively. For example, if you are somebody that loves swimming and you swim a lot um, and you do basically you know, all the training for swimming and, and that type of thing, but you don't compete in swimming races, are you a swimmer? I would say so. You're just not a competitive swimmer. And the same thing for a bodybuilder. A bodybuilder is somebody that builds their physique, builds their body up. Um, and I don't think you have to necessarily diet down and get on stage to call yourself a bodybuilder. You're just a competitive bodybuilder if you decide to compete. Yeah, I agree. That's I agree. Opinion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned before about since you've turned pro, you've only competed a number of times and this was actually one of the kind of leads into one of the questions I wanted to talk about. As a natural athlete or a natural lifter, how important do you think it is for someone to spend time eating in a slight calorie surplus and building up their maintenance, uh, building up their metabolism, sorry, and actually putting on quality size um, before cutting. And I guess kind of working hand in hand with that, how important do you think it is to not just go from a bulk to a cut, bulk to a cut kind of year round um, for someone that is natural if they want to see some, some impressive results? Yeah. Well, I suppose the question is, can we actually build up our metabolism? Or is it something that's a little bit more, you know, genetically determined? Like, mm. for example, if you look at my coach, Alberto Nunes, he's able to eat a lot more calories than, you know, the amount that he has to bulk on, even though he's a smaller bodybuilder than me, he probably bulks on about the same calories. And he's able to cut on higher carbs than some other people to a certain point, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I, and I don't know if, if he actually, say, gradually work his way up from, say, let's say, for example, that he eats 3,800 calories uh, in that uh, surplus in the off-season. Now, if he worked his way up to 5,000 calories, would that actually change his metabolism or would he have no effect on his metabolism at all and just gain too much body fat? Um, I, I, I'm not sure about that. I think that probably um, it's it's not a thing that we can necessarily build up by just like reverse dieting. I think it's kind of like pre-genetically determined. But in terms of, that's I suppose a bit of a side note, in terms of like basically what you're asking is, is it, how important is it to uh, eat in a surplus rather than kind of like yo-yo dieting all the time rather than, going, you know, spending too much time cutting and then you're back to bulking again and that type of thing. Yeah. I think it's really important to be just kind of like really 
consistent. So I would say that in general, about 80% of your time, if you're a serious bodybuilder or if you just want to build a physique, you've got to be at least at maintenance or above maintenance in a surplus mm-hmm. um, because you need to spend that time building up muscle mass. And if you're always cutting, trying to get lean for something, whether it's a, you know an event or a season like summer, um, then you're taking away time from what can be spent um, you know, building muscle, um, yeah. you know, and a lot of my off season I've spent, so, uh, I usually have about three years between shows at the moment, um, or between seasons. And so from 2011 to 2014, I spent zero time cutting, um, I, until my show, you know, yeah. until the actual prep itself. I spent that entire time in the off season. If you look at the difference in size between 2011, and 2014, it's fairly, um, substantial. Um, then, you know, kind of the same thing this off season. I actually did, I did one cut in the middle and then I did a period of, of maintenance slash light surplus. But even if you look at that, most of it was spent at maintenance or in a surplus. And I think that that is something that's really important. I think that a lot of people, um, both guys and girls, but I think girls often will get worried that they're getting too, um, bad you know, basically gaining too much body weight um, mm-hmm. and want to cut all the time, you know. Uh, I have some clients that I work with that we did uh, some, some periods of fat loss and diet phases and, you know, it's only been a few months since they've done that but they're already asking when we're going to cut again. I'm like, yeah. well, you know, we might need to actually spend a little bit more time just kind of chilling out here and just spending time building muscle. Of course, that depends on what type of person they are if you are a competitor, it's really important to do that. Really make sure, okay, at least 80% of your year is, or your general, um, you know, phase of, of building is, is actually spent building. But if you're a person who would be maybe what we would term like a general population uh, type of client or, or, or person, then maybe that's not as important to you and you can actually spend a couple of times a year where you might go through fat loss phases or certain Bands or, or, you know, mm. let's, let's get lean for summer. And it's not as important as, you know, uh, the big picture where you're going to gain muscle anyway. Uh, there's, you know, there's not as much need to gain maximum muscle. So, yeah, I think that it can just depend upon the, on what, the, what the goal is. But for a competitor, certainly, yeah, you need to spend, maximize your time uh, building muscle, especially considering how competitive natural bodybuilding is getting these days. You need to be as big as possible, as balanced as possible, as lean as possible stage uh, for for the bodybuilding category at least. Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I, I agree. And something that I a rule that I usually try and stick to, especially with myself or with a client that's not too worried about putting on a little bit of extra body fat is a one to four ratio. So if we're cutting for three months, then I want them to spend kind of a 12 months at least at maintenance or above before we do a serious cut again. And if you have got that everyday lifter that just wants to kind of shred up for a festival or summer or whatever it may be, then maybe like a mini cut is kind of the way to go where we go aggressive for a short period of time and then go back to maintenance or above. But you brought up another another really good point before about the reverse dieting and this is actually one of my questions about whether or not post-show kind of what your approach is with reverse dieting and whether or not you think that you can actually increase your maintenance calorie intake because I've been, oh sorry your metabolism, like I've been you know tossing and turning whether or not I think uh, it's a thing as well and I think what the conclusion that I've come to anyway and I want to hear your opinion on this is 
with that whole reverse dieting thing for me it doesn't it's not necessarily a, a, you're not really resulting in increasing your metabolism i think a reverse diet really is what am i trying to say here a reverse diet really kind of depends on whether or not you how damaged your metabolism is for a certain period of time compared to how quickly you can get it back to healthy like i've done both approaches where i've gone really high with my intake after a reverse diet and dieted down and then last off season i really kept my calorie intake at kind of slightly above maintenance and didn't push it too high and both times i've pretty much ended up dieting down to a similar amount of calories by the time i've got to the end of prep so yeah what's your thoughts on it yeah so um, I think that it would be valuable for anybody who's listening just to clarify what reverse dieting typically means and whether both you and I are on the same page. So reverse dieting is, I would say, uh, you know, adding calories in gradually, mm-hmm. you know, maybe adding in small amounts at a time. Are we on the same page in that regard? Yeah, 100% after spending an extended period of time in a deficit, um, mm-hmm. starting to gradually build the intake back up. Yeah, so I've found from my own personal experience and also working with others that, yeah, you just, um, you don't really, yeah, I don't think that the metabolism changes so much, whereas in, I, I suppose the idea that's um, been put forward is, yeah, okay, we, you know, let's say you normally your intake is, let's talk about um, carbohydrates instead of, instead of calories, but, you know, we could think of it in terms of calories. Yep. is normally 350 grams and you know you're maintaining your weight there and then you start adding five or ten grams of carbs every week over a couple of weeks and then over a few years or whatever you get it up to like 500 grams of carbs i mean chances are your weight has probably increased over that time yeah it has it probably is not going to just stay at your current weight that you're eating 350 grams of carbs you're probably going to gain some body fat at some point now, initially, you might not because usually what happens is, especially if you are depleted um, or, you know, you've been in a deficit for a while, your NEAT goes up. NEAT is obviously what we had mentioned earlier. Um, and so then your unconscious activity actually goes up a little bit and you end up burning the calories. So that's one explanation of why that sometimes when people are reverse dieting, they don't necessarily gain weight initially. But I find usually in the long term, they do. Um, and at times, like, I mean, I've actually tried that whole reverse dieting approach before. Um, and you're, you're right in that I experienced the same thing as you. I ended up dieting basically on the same level of calories, assuming to get the same level of leanness as previous times. Um, even though I had increased my calories in, in the off season. Um, and so I, I don't think that it really had an effect. It just made me gain more body fat. Um, and muscle too, you know, yeah. because you eat more calories. Um, so yeah, I don't think that necessarily it's a, a good approach, particularly post-show for everybody, because it's really hard to adhere to. Um, I find that even some very flexible approaches, um, I, I try to have approaches that I feel would be sustainable for most people, and often they still can't even stick to that. Because you're, I'm talking about not just post a regular fat loss diet. I'm talking about post contest prep type of thing, mm. um, because that is quite an extreme deficit that people have to go into. And 
people tend to just go nuts with food for a couple of weeks, in many cases at least, is what I've noticed. Um, even when you tell them, you know, you give them quite um, flexible plan. Um, and, but the good thing is that after a couple of weeks, most of the time, people kind of get sick of eating cheesecake and <laughs> pizza and ice cream for every meal, you know, yeah. and even though they've regained that weight, um, they'll kind of like, oh, hey, actually, I want to eat chicken and broccoli again. So um, often it does balance it out anyway, but uh, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, and people kind of have, uh, you know, ongoing problems with binging and that type of thing. Yeah, which is which is difficult. But I would say, rather than that, I, I definitely and 3DMJ have a great video um, on this, obviously called the recovery diet, and I like that general type of approach where the idea behind uh, the 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 goal. Uh, rather, um, after the show, is now eat more calories for recovery. So we can yeah. go straight to maintenance or straight into a slight, slight surplus or at least kind of get to maintenance after between zero and two weeks um, after the show and then actually start making some progress in the gym, start feeling better and start, start reversing some of the negative adaptations that all of us experience during a, a extended dieting phase or a contest prep diet. Yeah, and I've experienced kind of all three. Like I've gone the really slow approach with reverse dieting. I've gone probably a little bit too quick. And then I've gone more so with that recovery diet pro, uh, approach where I've got to maintenance relatively quick and then slowed things down. And that's definitely been the best approach. And really the only difference I've found in terms of the metabolism or, or in general with a reverse diet is when I went too quick, I did just put on too much body fat. So my starting point for dieting was a lot higher body fat compared to that slower approach but the end result in terms of how many calories I was taking in was very similar and I think the big misconception with reverse dieting is taking those really small approaches from the end of prep which can often be harder than the prep itself because you really have no reason to be dieting um, yeah. and taking that really slow approach people kind of go oh holy shit I'm eating more food and I'm getting leaner or I'm still as lean but the thing they don't understand is they're still in a calorie deficit. So that yeah. whole recovery process hasn't even started yet. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, but yeah, definitely if you guys haven't seen that video by 3DM, 3DMJ, go and check it out because um, we could talk about this for, for the whole interview, but I want to kind of keep moving. But that's definitely a video going worth going to watch. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've noted, I mean, sorry to, to, I know that we do want to move forward, but yeah, um, like I've noted that with some competitors who have been seasoned bodybuilders, they take that reverse dieting approach and they're like, yeah, six months post show and I'm like only like five pounds over my stage weight. And you look at them now, they're like two or three years later and now they're in that same off-season body fat. It just took them longer to get there. Yeah. No. Um, so and that's yeah, time that they could be building muscle. Yeah. But it's very... Um, tempting for people to do that because they they see that you know like oh i can keep getting leaner but yeah you're really just slowing everything down and keeping yourself in deficit as you said yeah definitely just quickly could you touch on your whole approach and philosophy to nutrition i think um after mentioning that you're coached by birdo most people would probably have a, a rough idea of your approach anyway but what is your approach to nutrition um it, whether it's off season or uh in comp prep at the moment um, I mean, very different between, well, I mean, it's kind of like, I, I suppose, an overall similar structure in that 
I count calories or more macronutrients. Um, it's, it really just depends on the phase that I'm in. So right now, I am uh, yeah counting macros. I would say between uh, plus or minus five grams each side, protein, carbohydrate, and fat, and I try to be fairly rigid with that every day. Um, so uh, I also have some repeat days on the weekend. Um, I so I have four low days at the moment, and I have three repeat days. Except just right now, this current period of time, I'm doing like ten low days in a row. But it's really for a very specific situation because I have two shows coming up and. We don't want to waste too much time with the peaking process for those shows because you know the later shows are going to be more important. So yeah, um, doing a bit more hard fat loss right now, but for most of the prep, we I think we started with five low days, two high days, and then as I said, we went to four low days and three high days. Um, and yeah, it's been pretty much the same kind of thing all the way through. I track my cardio with a calorie target for the week, so. Um, I just make sure that I complete that and then um, I actually started the prep managing my own training and I kind of let uh, Alberto um, control that a lot more now because uh, I think that his input is really valuable but we always kind of go back and forth on a lot of things. I'll actually make suggestions in terms of everything like in terms of my nutrition and um, actually the 10 low days in a row was something that I had suggested and he was like, yeah, man, like, brilliant idea. Let's do that. Um, yeah. let's that. And then we, it's going to really fit well in well with the, the overall plan and the peak weeks and that sort of thing. So, um, I really like that since we've been working together for two competitive seasons and most of my off season that we really, uh, have a good rapport and that I can just kind of go back and forth with that. But in terms of the off season, I'll usually track coming out of the show. I'll start tracking a little bit more um, with protein and calories after a few weeks. So I'm moving away from that just tracking macros thing because I don't want to continue to be as rigid. Yeah. I'll start loosening up my um, measuring of things and eventually get to a point where I'm more or less intuitive with what I eat. However, when I say that, I'm not somebody that changes um my foods every day. I actually eat more or less the same foods all the time until I get bored with something, I might switch something in. Or I might just go, you know what, I want to eat this tonight. Uh, and it's usually pretty close in terms of the, if on the time that I've checked it at least, including if it's a cheap meal from a takeaway place or whatever. And I'm able to just naturally adjust my other meals um, with guesstimations. And it usually ends up pretty close in terms of calories, at least when I've gone back and tracked it. Um, although these days I, in off season I don't usually do that. I just kind of like will have uh, what I want yeah. if, if an occasional kind of cheat meal or whatever on the weekend or whatnot. So I hope that kind of answers the question in terms of very rigid during contest prep, especially as you get closer to the shows. Like earlier in the prep, I'd be more inclined to switch carbs and fats, undulate those, and just yeah. aim for total calories. Now. I'm not really doing that much at all. I'm really sticking to close targets for each macronutrient. Um, and in the off-season, is the opposite approach as well. It's like going in the other direction where you, at the end of it, I, I don't want to be tracking anything for that last six months to a year before I go back to tracking for shows again. Yeah, for sure. And just to touch on the high and low days, for those that are unaware of what you're doing on those high and low days, um, could you just briefly run over what that means in terms of the high and low? 
Yes, I mean, a lot of people will um, incorporate a high-carb day or repeat day into their week. So all of that, all that is, is like, uh, because my prep is so long, it's, uh, I think, 34 weeks this year, and I started at a, I had a DEXA scan to start. Now, whether or not we want to say DEXA scan is accurate, blah, 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 um, I started at 8.4% body fat to begin the prep, so I didn't have a huge amount of body fat to lose yeah. in order to really lean for the show. So we wanted to actually slow down my rate of weight loss. So that's why we do the three high days. But it also served as a purpose of um, refilling glycogen stores, also just recovery and fatigue management. So um, I've done previous preps where I had, uh, you know, split up days. I might have had like two high days a week on Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, I've done uh, just one high day a week um, in previous preps with Alberta. And in this case, we do the three consecutive repeats, and by the end of that three, that third day, I really feel very recovered and really um, like I can go back to the dieting for the yeah. next days. Um, and so that's, I suppose, the purpose of it. Also, I think something that Alberta mentioned to me, which I think is really interesting, is that there's just like diet stress that's placed on us by dieting for hard for an extended period of time. Um, and that kind of shows up in the physique. You kind of get like maybe some water retention sometimes. And then sometimes it's interesting when you're eating more food for a couple of days, that kind of goes away. Um, so just that, I don't necessarily know that we're doing it for that purpose, but I think it's an interesting side effect. But yeah, basically in terms of the structure, for example, right now, um, I'm having, what is it, 250 protein. 175 grams of carbs, which is very low for me, and 40 grams of fat uh, on my low days. And when I have the high days, it is 230 grams of protein, 525 grams of carbs, and also 40 grams of fat. Yeah. Um, so that's the actual structure. Yeah, and, and more or less, have you maintained those high days very similar throughout the whole thing, or as you're... As you've dropped your low days, have you simultaneously dropped those high days as well? Um, it didn't always drop at the same time. So okay. uh, it started with two high days, went to three high days, and then when we made adjustments, it was usually just on low days. So I think I started the prep, it was on 300 and something grams of carbs. It might have been 350. Yep. And I would usually just make adjustments to... Um, the carbohydrate and fat on the low days. Uh, the high days, the fat intake on those days was dropped um, at some stage. And more recently, the carbohydrate intake has been dropped. But um, considering that I'm doing the 10 low days in a row, I haven't even implemented that yet because um, of that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, man, a couple more questions before I wrap things up. Um, sure. For those that those that are listening or watching and that have the intentions of stepping on stage at some stage in the near future or even just starting to take this whole bodybuilding um, thing a little bit more seriously, have you got any advice um, for them, You know, whether it's stuff that you've picked up along the way or just the basic things that you think people should know before starting to take it a little more seriously? Right. So this is... Um somebody who's new to training and wants to compete in the future or more somebody that's, say, like an intermediate lifter, they've already got a few years under their belt and they're just thinking of, hey, this competing thing is something that I want to get into. Is that more the type of person? Yeah, someone who's got a, a decent amount of experience but hasn't really taken it to that level where it's serious yet. 
Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I would be thinking about um, just getting like all those routines down where it's easy, like the bodybuilder lifestyle. And I mean, I'm not talking about being a hardcore bodybuilder eating eight meals a day, but just like, you know, the fact that some of, the, some of these things that as bodybuilders or people in the fitness industry that we take for granted and we assume everybody's doing, some people might not be. So, you know, there's um, been like, you know, years where I didn't really have, I didn't skip workouts, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is earlier on. Um, and the same thing with meals. I had a fairly uh, regular meal structure where I would be eating the same food and that type of thing. Just that whole routine where you've got it working in your life and you're already doing that stuff. Maybe try tracking, if you're taking an approach where tracking macros is and all calories is going to be involved in the prep. Um, Maybe start doing that in your off-season if you haven't done it before mm. because otherwise it can be, you know, a rude awakening going, from, you know, how do I how do I do this? Yeah. So you're basically just like kind of getting used to the things that are then going to help you in prep as well. Um, maybe a period of, of, of fat loss at some point, even though we talked about, yeah, 80% of your time should be at least um, spent building muscle, right? But if you haven't dieted ever before, and you're going to do a contest prep. Yeah. That's a fairly extreme diet. So you could go and do a mini cut first and get used to, hey, kind of, what does it feel like dieting? Um, I think those type of skills are going to serve you really well rather than going from no structure um, or, or poor structure to, um, to extreme structure. Yeah, and I, I agree. Like, I think structure is probably the biggest thing that, like you said, bodybuilders or those that take their kind of lifting and, and nutrition seriously take for granted or not so much take for granted but just don't really recognize because we've been doing it for so long but you know whether it's the training the supplementation the nutrition um even just the mindset around those those things uh i think that's something that really separates someone who's serious about their training and getting good results compared to the average joe who kind of trains when they feel like it what they feel like on the day and and eat well when they feel like it type of thing. So that's great advice. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap things up with this last question. Um, where do you see natural bodybuilding at the moment? Like, do you feel like it's in a good space? Um, what do you like about it? What do you think uh, could improve? Yeah, um, this this question just straight away made me think of this whole, um, I don't know if you've seen this thing, like natural bodybuilding is dead, and then other people are saying natural bodybuilding is alive. Um, and I'm obviously on the side that it's alive. Like if you look at the uh, the pro lineup, particularly in America, and even if you look at like the amateur shows, I went to an amateur show yesterday. The couple of clients competing, and the standards like it's getting so high. If if it were if body natural bodybuilding was something that were dying, the standard wouldn't be that it wouldn't be getting more competitive, and mm. it just is. Um, and so, yeah, where do I see it going? I think that it will continue to grow, but, I mean, if we're realistic, bodybuilding in general is a niche market. So, I mean, it's never going to be like baseball is in America. It's never going to be, like, absolutely massive. But I can see it continuing to, to steadily grow just the same as, um, as you know, IFBB or enhanced bodybuilding does as well. Um, obviously, they're a bit bigger than, than us, but we have, like, a really good community and I think that 
also a lot of really intelligent people, not, not that intelligent people don't get involved in um, the drug side of bodybuilding as well, but I think that at least who I'm connecting with, a lot of us are chatting behind the scenes, I talk to other pros um, and also other coaches and stuff, and so there's a lot of like really good information going on, um, and so I think that for us as coaches uh, and us as natural bodybuilders, we just continue to promote the sport continue to put out good content and good information, it's just going to be a positive step forward for everybody in, I suppose, in the fitness community and also in natural bodybuilding. But I think that it's just going to, like I said, I think it's already competitive now, like um, in terms of not just the pro lineups, but if you look at the lineup that was at the IPE show a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember the name of the show, show over in the US. and. Like, man, if you see the lineup from that show, it was just stacked. Like, phenomenal. Alberto yeah. Nunes, hey? It was phenomenal, yeah. Yeah, right? Like, Alberto Nunez, my coach, he didn't even place top five. And he's known for being one of the most shredded guys out there, right? Yeah. And he's not placing top five. Like, how competitive is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Insane. I'm saying, I'm not trying to put him down. I'm saying it in, in a positive way. Like, how good is that that it's actually that competitive that he's not in the top five in that show? I mean, yeah, um, and I think that's really where it's headed. It's just going to continue to get more and uh, more uh, bigger, and I think that it's also going to, um, yeah, it's continue to get more competitive. And for me, as a as a competitor, that's and a coach, that's exciting. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Evan, thanks so much for joining us today, mate. Uh, I know that the listeners and the viewers of today's interview will take a lot away from it. Um, wish you all the best for the rest of your competitive season. Um, and yeah, thanks thanks for sharing your knowledge and stuff with us today. Yeah, that, thank you very much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Not a problem at all. Guys, I'll have all of um, Evan's social media links and whatnot in the show notes below so you can go and check out his rig and follow along with the, the rest of his journey for the year and, and moving forward. Thanks so much for listening today and tuning into the podcast. Um, make sure you hit that subscribe button to keep up with the episodes. Go and check all the past episodes. Um, any questions or queries, send me an email at danny at dannykennedyfitness.com and I'll chat to you guys next week.